Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Claudia Tripp is a singer-songwriter from Western Australia who released the EP Fugitive in 2017 and has released several singles since, the latest of which is the very catchy I Only Miss You When I'm Drunk, which has become my latest earworm. Hello, Claudia. Uh, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you like the song. Uh, it's, I find myself singing it on time. Like that's when you know it's a catchy song, when it just pops in randomly and I'm you know, wherever <laughs> I am. Um, but I'm actually going to start by asking you about the instruments behind you. There is a very flash electric guitar over your shoulder and it looks like you might have some other guitars. So I'm guessing these are all yours. Uh, me and my dad's, yeah. Oh, okay. he, uh, Right. both lots of them and um this one I decorated myself with about 150,000 rhinestones 150,000 no 15,000 no 1500 <laughs> I, I think any number of rhinestones and decoration yeah. is impressive yeah so you hand glued yeah. them on yes wow that's fantastic Maybe I'm thinking of the minutes that it took to do it but <laughs> yeah but you've got to think of you know time per use as opposed to cost per wear you know it's like <laughs> the time the effect versus the time I'm sure the effect wins out in value. So since you mentioned that, that some of them are your dads, I'm, I'm guessing therefore you grew up in a musical household. Very much so. Yeah. My dad uh, played in bands for like 20 years, um, right up until I was about yeah 10 or 12, um, gigging all the time. So very musical. I think that's why I got into it and loved it so much. So do you have the occasional jam together? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. lots. <laughs> is he, uh, is he electric or acoustic? electric mostly okay and you too electric not a heap um that's really my only electric and I don't play it a lot I'm more um acoustic but sometimes sometimes (laughs) well there you go you've got the good balance he's electric you're acoustic yeah uh that's a band right there now you wrote your first song when you were seven were you already playing an instrument by that age or did you just make it up as a singer yeah kind of just made it up as a singer um and at seven I think that's the first time I like sat down with dad and then he wrote a guitar part and we recorded one of them. So yeah, um, I didn't play anything. And then I think around 11 or 12, I started learning piano. Right. Um, and then, yeah, taught myself guitar at about 15 and then never stopped. <laughs> so when you were seven writing that first song, was it just, did you like doing like compositions in school? Yeah. Some kids like writing little stories and things, or it was just, that was the, that was the creative expression that made the sense to you at that age. Yeah, it was just like writing a diary, you know, just was how I could figure out what I'm feeling. And still now, really, it's just a way of sitting down and working out how I feel about a situation is just write into a song and see what comes out. Yeah, right. So when you started piano, because it's not the most portable instrument and it sounds no. like yeah, by 12, you probably had an idea of, you know, you wanted to write some more songs. So was it was it because that was the instrument your parents wanted you to learn or you just thought it was a good instrument to have a grounding in? Yeah, I just, I think I just liked it at that age. Um, they were happy for either. My sister was playing guitar at that age and I didn't, didn't really, um, didn't call to me at that time. But then, yeah, took a few more years and then eventually I just, um, yeah, picked up the guitar, one of the dads. <laughs> yeah. So when you start, when you taught yourself, as you said, at the age of 15, were you the, um, the playing till your fingers bled kind of person? Sort of, yeah. Um, yeah, I would just you know, look up a song that I wanted to learn and then how to play it on, it's so easy online now. Um, 
and just yeah look up how to play it and then I'll just be playing and writing songs and playing cover songs and making YouTube videos and all of that. <laughs> well yes I actually had a question about your YouTube channel because I believe you started it around the age of 14 which is you know I think of myself <laughs> at 14 not that YouTube existed then but I, I just <laughs> I would never have occurred to me to do anything like that so were you playing so much that you just thought right I'm just going to put it out there and see if people like it because were you already thinking about becoming a musician? Yeah, I really liked it. And um, I think my sister was doing the same thing. She was kind of posting some videos and I think I did a few covers with her and then from there started my own. And um, I just really liked it, liked sitting down and filming the video and editing it and putting it up was always really fun. Um, they're probably terrible if I looked back on them now. <laughs> I think they're mostly gone from public view, but um, that was such a fun time. Like I would just come home from school and want to film videos. Right. Well, and also teaching yourself to edit it. I mean, these are these are extra skills to have. Yeah, yeah. I um, not something I've had, you know, the time for these days. But yeah, I would love to get back into all that. It's lots of fun. It's also, you know, we, there are several artists who've made careers out of out of having YouTube channels, and it's uh, obvious there are people out there who want to watch musicians playing on YouTube. But it's still it's still quite a big commitment of your time. You said you loved coming home from school and doing it, but, but still, you know, it's a big thing to do. So did it at any stage, did you think, Oh no, I can't be bothered. I always liked it. And I think, yeah, just from the busier I've gotten, I don't haven't found the time for it these days, but I, every year at the start of the new year, I go, I'm going to start filming one a week or something. And I just hasn't, <laughs> hasn't stuck with the craziness of it. Um, with so many gigs and, and work days a week, it's been crazy, but um, yeah, hopefully someday I'll get back into that. I suppose the other thing it gives you is an awareness that there's an audience there and that you're performing to people, which is something that at the age of 14, you know, it's hard, it would be harder to get gigs at that age than, than later on. So did you, oh, was it daunting initially to think there were people watching you or did you appreciate having that feedback? People were very nice. So it was never, um, yeah, it was never too daunting and I really enjoyed that. Um, it just gave it that extra element than playing it in my bedroom. It's playing it or putting up a song that I just wrote and having instant feedback was really cool. Um, but yeah, there was never, never any hate at that age, which is good. <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. Well, especially considering what the internet can be like, it's great. <laughs> and for someone who's young and it's unpolished what I'm playing and it's not, you know, <laughs> yeah. Were you playing in any school bands at the same time? A few, yeah, a little bit through school. Um, I wasn't at a very musical school at the time, so some of the kids did think it was pretty weird that I was putting up uh, songs and writing them and stuff, but, yeah, it all worked out. <laughs> and so you are playing piano, playing guitar. When did your development as a singer really start? I mean, you were saying you know, at the age of seven you were singing the song that you wrote, but uh, at a certain point did you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to focus on developing my voice as well? That kind of happened over time because this, uh, I started busking when I was about 13 just to play wherever I could. And then by the time I was 16, 17, I was in a cover band. Um, and at 17, I think we started playing in like pubs where mum had to be with me until, <laughs> until we left. And ever since then, I've done, you know, a few pub gigs, you know, at least a week. Um, and so that's, and it's very different to the original, original music thing, but it's made like vocally, it's made me develop more quickly and yeah on the job more than anything could have yeah so I mean yeah and pub crowds can be quite tricky as well because sometimes it means <laughs> they're not listening and you've got to yeah seeing over over all that surrounding noise so um were there any gigs that were particularly interesting shall we say that stuck in yeah. your memory <laughs> I mean I still um I do a lot of cover gigs like full-time now 
and um, there's lots of kind of cafes and, and weddings and things like that where you're just in the background and so part of me does like that. Um, it's just, you know, you're either displaying while people are talking and it's, yeah, you've got to kind of um, navigate that. But as well, then there's the pub gigs, you know, I do one every Saturday night um, and it's like a huge big crowd that's singing with you start to finish. And that kind of thing just helps so much with, you know, stage presence, how to talk to a crowd, how to deal with things that happen, like someone jumps up on stage or there's a fight that starts and all these things that you just can never learn online or through a lesson or something. You just have to kind of learn how to deal with it. Yeah. Well, and I suppose it is good practice for festival shows. I know some festivals yeah. have security, but some festivals wouldn't and crowds can be a bit rowdy. Yeah, totally. It's just, um, yeah, and then by the time I do an original band show, I'm just like, feel really prepared for whatever is going to happen. Yeah, so yeah. So you, so, so you said there's a pub gig every Saturday night. Is it the same venue every time? Yeah, yeah. I started with them this year and, um, yeah, same venue, same band, like a resident band and it's um, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, for, for people who live in Perth, where is it? Where is this Saturday night show? <laughs> it's at a bar called Mustang Bar and yeah. it's um, lots of fun, very fun crowd. And, um, yeah, there is that that really special element of playing original songs that I feel like you can't get at any other gig other than doing that. And there's something about, even if I was to play an original show to like two people, that's so fulfilling even just because you get to share your stories. Um, but it's also so fulfilling to do the cover gigs and play these songs that everybody loves. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause a lot, you know, some artists might think that playing to two people is tricky just because there's that energy exchange that happens between audience and artists. And if it's a small crowd, sometimes you don't get that, but obviously your perspective is, this is great. Two people are here. I can, I can yeah. perform for them. <laughs> yeah. I think anything. And like, there's a lot of um, little songwriter bars and stuff around where even if there's only a handful of people in the crowd, they all went there because they want to hear someone's story and they want to hear uh, about you and, and the stories and songs that you're writing. So it's like just trying to focus on doing the best gig you can and not too much like, oh, there's not enough people here. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, you know, every gig is different and you can learn various things. But given how much you're playing, I'm also wondering how you look after your voice because it's yep. if you're doing a cover show, that can be three sets and that's yep. a lot of singing if you're doing several of those a week. So do you just not talk yeah. a lot during time, in between time? No, unfortunately, then I work in a guitar store in my other days. <laughs> so it's always talking, always using my voice. And I actually did run into uh, some issues a few a few months ago. I never thought about that, like what you just said. I never thought about, am I taking care of my voice? Am I, you know, am I resting enough? It was just go, go, go. And the Saturday night gigs till about 2.30 a.m. So it's like <laughs> then you add in not sleeping much and talking all day and then singing really loud at night. Um, and I, and I ended up getting laryngitis and I couldn't really get rid of it because it was like, I never stopped. And the doctor was like, you have to actually not talk <laughs> and not sing. Right. And, um, and from there, I've just found the most important thing is after I do something really intense like that to just have a rest day the next day, mm -hmm. so I can actually keep up. And if I feel at the next gig that my voice is a bit struggling, like I've just got to not do it and not try and push through because it's easy to say yes, like especially since COVID, since losing gigs, now I want to say yes to everything. But I think, and that would be like my biggest advice to anyone is if your body's telling you a little bit, maybe don't, maybe don't do that gig, just don't do it. <laughs> it's not, yeah. not worth risking your voice for months or something. And I sometimes think the voice can be a barometer of other things going on. So the voice, so a failing voice can signify that you're overworking it, but it can also tell you that you might be about to get a cold, for example. Totally. 
yeah, it's warning you about your whole body's needs. It's like, yeah, it's important to listen to. So your uh, EP that you released in 2017 was that was labelled as pop music and you have great pop sensibilities. You have a, a, pop, a country pop sound now. I'm interested in yeah. your uh, listening influences and your songwriting influences as you were growing up and into today. Yeah. Um, oh, so many, I guess. And um, that's the thing, my dad playing in rock bands and then me playing in rock bands, there's all of that influence. But country always really called to me as well. Um, I was a big fan of John Mayer and Taylor Swift and all that kind of like pop music that was happening at the time. Um, and then as of a few years ago, Dan and Shay, Morgan Wallen, those kind of people that sing these really honest, raw country songs made me go, oh my God, that's like, those songs hit me and I go, wow, like I felt, felt like I watched a movie when I listened to that. And that's something that I really, that really drove me towards country. And people always told me that my songs sounded a bit country and I was never trying to make them too pop and like cut out lyrics. It was always very story based. So it's always had that country element, but been trying to lean into it a bit more because it feels, um, feels the most natural. Yeah. And it sounds natural in your recording as well. So when was the uh, first original, when did you record your first original song? That's the, that's the question I'm trying to come out with. <laughs> yeah. So I guess with my dad when I was seven, but then okay. in the studio probably, I think I was 15 and went into a studio with, I think for my birthday, mum and dad got me like a recording session and did one there. And then, um, and then when I was 15, 16, recorded the Fugitive EP and mm-hmm. then, yeah, just working with new people since then. And when you write songs, do you tend to just dedicate some time to sit down and write, especially considering all the work you are doing, or do you yeah. just scroll away notes um, as they come to you? It's um, it's always come more naturally when I just get an idea and then sit down and do it. Um, I've found if I try to put aside a day and I go, between these hours I'm going to write a song, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> like I think the best thing is something will come to me, you know, even if it's late at night, I'm about to go to sleep, I'll get an idea and I go, okay, I have to go and work that out. And then it'll all kind of flow pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, I find if I try and force it too much, it's never, never feels right. <laughs> have you ever worked with co-writers? Not until very recently, actually. Um, in the lockdown last year, I wrote a song with Rachel Fahim, uh, which was awesome. Love her. She's awesome. And um, we did a song together that we recorded, that I just recorded in the studio. And then recording that with M Squared in Melbourne, um, they that was a huge collaborative effort as well. We basically rewrote the song. Those guys are amazing. So, But besides that kind of one song experience, it had always just been me. So it's really nice to work with new people and... Um, and actually, I did quite a few Zoom co-writes, never really in person a co-write, but um, I did some co-writes with Jake Davey, Hudson Rose, and someone, yeah, a few more. It was just like that lockdown time. We're all like, we can't actually do anything in real life. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I've never sat in a room and done it except with M Squared. And did those Zoom collaborations come about just because you'd happened to have met them before and you contacted each other or was it, did someone cold call you over Instagram, for example? No, yeah, we had all, um, I think I went to Tamworth Country Music Festival 2020, mm-hmm. right before everything started and kind of met everyone through that, even if it had just been meeting once or twice, um, I'd seen a few of their gigs and from them we kind of kept contact on Instagram, which happens to be like, I find now I feel like I've known someone for years but we've never met or we've met once and it's just because we keep up with each other on Instagram and it was kind of that and then you know everyone's bored and it was just like hey do you want to do a co-write yeah 
Oh, I think a lot of great music's come out of that time. Musicians and songwriters in particular used it really well. So who knows what beneficial impact it might have had. You know, obviously there was the bad impact of no gigs. But <laughs> yeah. um, now we will talk about your latest song, which is I Only Miss You When I'm Drunk. Now, is this based on personal experience, Claudia? It is a little bit, and um, I guess it's it came from my idea. I didn't it didn't happen to me, and I sat down and wrote it. But it's definitely something I've been through. Something all my friends have been through, which is like you think you're over a situation, but then you go and you have a drink, or maybe not even you go and have a drink, but you go somewhere that like sparks a memory, and then you go, oh, I should call them, <laughs> and then it's like they're back on your mind when they usually wouldn't be. Um, which is, seems to be a universal experience with people <laughs> these days. Well, given that drunk dialing is a phrase in the culture, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you were playing that song, from what I understand, for quite a while in your shows um, and got good feedback on it. Do you often road test songs that you're hoping to record? Sometimes, yeah. Um, that one... I think I'd written it a while ago and I couldn't get into the studio yet. And I just said to the band, let's just play it because I want to play something new. And um, and people really liked it. And I think the thing that made me sure of it was people were already singing along with it by the end of the song, which is always, yeah, it's like a green flag for me to go, okay, I should record that one because if you already feel like you know it by the time you listen to it one time, um, I feel like it sticks. So uh, I guess I can attest to that. So um, in terms of what's coming up for you, are there some new songs you're writing, hoping to record? Uh, you've obviously got your regular shows for the rest of the year. Yeah, so I've got, um, I just did the single launch for that one. Um, so I'm not sure when the next kind of original show will be, but I do have a few, I've got one song ready to go, um, hopefully in the new year, maybe after Tamworth. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I've got a few sessions booked in the new year. So I'll kind of keep trying to, trying to get music out as much as I can, really. (laughs) So because you live in Western Australia and, you know, a lot of the music industry stuff happens on the East Coast um, or in Tasmania now because Matt Fell's there, when you're booking in studio time, is it in Western Australia or do you have to travel? Both, yeah. Um, I had previously done it all in Western Australia um, and the producer, Michael Bono, who I just did Only Miss You When I'm Drunk with, he's kind of back and forth from LA to Perth. So when he's in town, it's like, let's do it. Um, but yeah, just went to Melbourne to work with M squared, which is amazing. I'll definitely have to go back and work with them and just, yeah, very keen to go and travel and work in new places and collaborate. Well, I suppose it is the hitch of being on the West coast. Um, obviously there are advantages because it's lovely there, but it it is just simply quite a long way to travel to get to where you need to go for Tamworth, for example, if you're in a plane, that's five hours to get to Sydney and then you've got to drive to Tamworth. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I think definitely the East Coast just seems like the place to be because you can hop on a flight and get there pretty easy or you can drive. Whereas, yeah, from Perth, it's a big uh, ordeal. But yeah, it's it's awesome. I love Sydney. I love Melbourne. So it feels like a nice holiday to go over there and write, write and release songs. <laughs> and clearly there are plenty of venues for you to play in Perth because you are doing a ton of gigs. So you mentioned Tamworth. Um, do you have shows already locked in? Most people do by this stage, but, but can you say where you're playing in Tamworth? I think I'm not doing heaps. Uh, I think I'll have a few fan zone stages and things like that, a couple gigs that are still getting locked in. Um, but, yeah, I think I'll know closer to maybe a few months and have all the details up online. I know it's coming out quickly. Um, (laughs) And it sounds like if people are in Perth, they can see you play regularly, which is great. And you'll have some recording 
to do next year. So we'll have some new music from you. In the meantime, other people can listen to I Only Miss You When I'm Drunk and have the same earworm experience I have had. <laughs> and Claudia Tripp, it was lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for all your support. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.